The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Discover a new relationship and approach to life through the space between. Join spiritual teacher Brittany Mondito for a moment of silence, a weekend workshop May 24th to 26th at Omega Institute's beautiful campus in Rhinebeck, New York. Everything we're searching for lies behind what we're running from, Brittany says. Reconnect with your inner sense of safety, grounding, and centeredness. Learn more today at eomega.org slash thrive. What a dear soul I have joining me on the podcast today, and I couldn't be more thrilled. Bobby Branch wrote a song in the mid-1980s inspired by one of Wayne Dyer's teachings. She recorded that song on an audio cassette and mailed it to him. He responded with such enthusiasm, it began a deep friendship that spanned decades. He even wrote about her in one of his books. Stay tuned until the end of this episode to listen to her original song, Happiness is the Way. Don't forget to come and join me on Patreon. You can access full video episodes, Zoom calls, and so much more when you become a patron. Go to patreon.com slash Nadia Dela Cruz or get all the links and more details about this podcast at NadiaDelaCruz.com. Thank you so much for listening to this podcast and for all of your support. I really couldn't do this without you. Namaste. Welcome to the Change Your Thoughts, Change Your Life podcast. I'm your host, Nadia Dela Cruz, founder of the Wayne Dyer Wisdom Community on Facebook and angeltarot.org. This podcast would not be possible without support from loyal fans like you. I want to thank everyone who has joined me on Patreon. You can sign up now for exclusive bonuses, including access to the full video for this episode. You'll find that link and more details at NadiaDelaCruz.com. Now, my guest today has had a love for music and singing since childhood. In the 1980s, after writing a song inspired by one of his teachings, she got connected with Dr. Wayne Dyer. They quickly became friends as he offered encouragement and advice through many phone conversations. Dr. Dyer wrote about her in his book, You'll See It When You Believe It, explaining how she manifested the funding to record her first album. She went on to perform her music around the Northwest and in her hometown of Chicago with trips to Detroit and California to sing with Dr. Wayne Dyer. She also works as a life coach, offering services to guide and support your journey in life. Bobby Branch, thank you so much for joining me today. I'm so glad I can be here. It's really going to be fun to talk about Wayne and um, all the gifts that he gave to me and he gives to so many people still. He's still bringing us together. I'm still learning from his teachings each and every day. Um, when we first spoke, you mentioned that he wrote about you in You'll See It When You Believe It. Yes. And I was so excited because this was the first <laughs> book. Oh, you have the same one. I do. I have multiple copies, Bobby. <laughs> I have many. Um, mm. this, is, this is a signed version. This one was not signed to me. 
Um, it says, Sharon, thanks for everything. Love and light, Wayne Dyer. Let us to love it. Yes, love it. yes, yes, yes. So this was my first book that I read from Dr. Wayne Dyer. And as I was preparing to talk to you today, I was rereading some of it and it just got me it got me feeling that same excitement that I felt when I was a teenager back in the 90s, reading this for the first time, and it just felt revolutionary and inspiring. And now having seen sort of the context of his life and how things evolved, and I've done a lot of research into all of his stories and everything. And when I look back on it now, I feel like this was such an exciting time for him. He was married to Marcy, was having babies, his career was booming. This was his first book talking about spirituality. So he was studying something new that was he was passionate about. And I feel like this was sort of a midpoint in his career. And it was just this moment of growth. And I this is the book that I recommend most to people. You'll see it really? when you it. Oh. Yeah. I mean, partly for <laughs> partly for personal reasons, because it was my first and so my copy was the paperback that looked like this one. And I, oh, I highlighted yes. oh, yeah. I highlighted the whole thing basically and then gave it away. And oh. um, I know now I'm like, oh, I wish I still had it, but you know what? It ended up where it needed to be. So I've got I've got copies. You've got but, more. I also recommend it because it's such a good introduction to spirituality. And he's the one who who led me down that path. So to talk to you, Bobby, who <laughs> yeah. I reached out to in the group because you mentioned that you wrote a song inspired by one of his teachings. And we're talking and they're like, oh, yeah, he mentioned me. And I was like, oh. You'll see when you believe. Oh, that means that I've read about you, and I'm you like, have. I didn't, you have. You know, now I'm putting the pieces together. So he talks about you in chapter four of "You'll See It Would You Believe It," which is all about abundance. Yeah, wonderful. And I'd love to start by just by reading a little excerpt of what sure. he says about you. Okay. Sure. I have a dear friend named Bobby Branch who lives in Wenatchee, Washington. She is a spectacularly alive, higher consciousness person who is a true joy to be around. Bobby is a very talented singer and songwriter. I invited Bobby to sing her beautiful music at some of my speaking engagements. In spite of her fears, she performed beautifully to standing ovations and began focusing on what she could do rather than what she felt was impossible or difficult. So true. So yeah. true. So how did you first get connected with Dr. Wayne Dyer? Well, it's interesting because I knew of, of Wayne before I really started reading his books. We were listening, my um, then husband and I, Michael, we were listening to Nightingale Conant uh, tapes. We had all his tapes that he did for mm -hmm. Nightingale Conant. And he was a, a chiropractor naturopath. And so he would make sure that the people that came to him as a new um, patient would take a Wayne Dyer um, cassette with six or eight tapes in it home with them. He thought it was so important to listen to that as he worked on them. And so we had listened to all of his tapes, and and I had seen him when I was younger in Chicago. I, I lived in Seattle at that point. Uh, when he was on Johnny Carson, 
I remember him on Johnny Carson being so yeah. funny and so clever and thinking, yeah. wow, this this man talks about something that I'm, I have a resonating energy to, but I didn't know how to put it into words. And But I knew that he was on to something and a way of being that was I wanted more of. And so we started, we've been listening to him for years, and, and the last thing he said on one of those tapes was, there is no way to happiness. Happiness is the way. And that just really sparked me. And I had been singing all my life other people's songs. And I started, and I had been searching spiritually and starting to meditate and do things that were going inward. And I, of course, was in the Northwest where it's so beautiful. And we were living, we had lived in Seattle, and then we moved to Wenatchee. And I used to go back and forth over the mountains. And I, this one time, I went to the top of Blewett Pass, which is a beautiful pass. And I stopped, parked the car, went up in the trees and meditated. And as I was meditating, I was like, wow, I really feel connected more than ever. And I wonder, this thought came, I wonder if I could write a song. And I thought, wow, that's a big thought because, you know, people who write songs, they're, I mean, I've been singing them all my life. They're amazing. And I thought, but let me try because, and what could I use? Because I knew people had to have hooks for grabbing people and themes and songs. And I thought of Wayne, and there is no way to happiness. Happiness is the way. And I said, that'd be a great hook. And so I came down, got into my car, and I thought, all right, I'll try. I'll just try to write a song. If nothing comes out, okay, I guess I can't do that, you know? In 15 minutes... I had a melody and I had the song. Wow. It was like I had to pull over to write down because I couldn't remember the words, you know. And and I had the I had the chorus, I had the hook, I had all of it. And when I got home, it took it took about another 30 minutes to get home from there. And when I walked in, I said to my husband, you know, I I want to sing something for you and I don't want you to tell me if you like it. <laughs> and he's, he was very agreeable about things like that. And he said, okay. So I sang it for him, and he said, nothing. And I said, good. <laughs> and we, we went and did other things. And then about 15 minutes later, I said, okay, now I'm ready to hear if you thought it was any good. And he said, it was beautiful. And I said, yeah, but you love me. So, you know, you'd think anything I did was really good. So then I called my daughter, who um, was in University of Illinois in, uh, in Champaign, and I said, I wrote a song. I want to sing it for you. And so I sang it for her, and she said, oh, I really like that, Mom. That was really good. And, and the next day she called me, and she said, Mom, I really liked your song. I was humming it. I was singing it in my head. It's really got a ring to it. And I thought, huh. And so then my husband said to me, you, can, you need to record that. 
Now remember, we're back in 1986. And mm -hmm. so he said, record it on a little cassette acapella, you know, and send it to Wayne. And I said, oh, really? You know, I wanted it to really sound great, you know, if I was going to do that. <laughs> and uh, that's the performer in me. And uh, so I, I thought, oh, what have I got to lose? So I recorded it on a little cassette, and I told him all about how, you know, his thoughts kind of connected me. And it, like a week went by, and I got this box from Wayne Dyer with like six different books in it and a, a letter and keep doing it. It's wonderful. And that was the beginning of our connection. Wow. And then after that, I would write to him, and then he'd send me back things. And then it just kept continuing. And I was going between Wenatchee and Seattle almost weekly to sing different places, churches and things, not my own music, just to mm -hmm. sing. And because um, I'd lived in Seattle for a long time. And I had a business there. I had a catering business there, too. And every time I went over the pass in the next, like, three months, I would write another song. And, and soon I had, like, 11 songs. And Wayne sent me um, a, a couple more packages of books and things. And he sent me a, a cassette tape of uh, music for Icus on piano by a man named Jim... Bajor, beautiful pianist, but he didn't do, uh, he didn't write music um, with vocals. He just wrote beautiful music. It was the most beautiful melody. And I got it. And I, I just kept hearing it in my head. I kept playing it. And so I got up, I, I just, it just kept, I kept thinking I can put words to that. And so I uh, went to bed one night. I, I would get up at 2 and 3 in the morning sometimes and write music now mm -hmm. after that. And at 3 in the morning, I was just up. You know how Wayne talks about 3 in the morning. You know, it's that. 3.13. Yep. Mm -hmm. And so I got up, and I was playing the music. And by the time my family got up, I had written Icus, the song that I eventually recorded. Mm. And uh, he said, oh, you have to call Wayne and tell him all about it. And I said, okay, okay, I can do that. So I thought, okay, I don't, have, I don't have music to go with it, but I have Jim's music. So I put Jim's music on a cassette, and I called him, and then I sang with the music in the background. I sang the whole song to him. And you know, Wayne, he can be irreverent sometimes, right? And he, yeah. he said to me after that, he said, Bobby, no one has ever called me and sung a song just for me over the phone. It's better than an orgasm. <laughs> <laughs> and I said, okay. <laughs> and Thanks, then he, Wayne. <laughs> yes, <laughs> I think you liked it. And he said, uh, you need to call Marcy right now. And he gave me her number. She's at home. I'm at the office. You need to call her and you need to sing it for Marcy. And I said, okay. So I called her and I sang it for her over the phone. And, and he said, you got to record that. And 
I said, okay, I, I want to. I want to record all of them. I've got all these songs tumbling out of me. And so we began, I began thinking about how was I going to do that? And mm-hmm. as I was thinking about it, I wanted to have a good producer because I don't, I don't, I write the music, but I don't write it out in notation. And, uh, and so I thought, and I play piano, but I didn't want to play piano on it. And so I said, uh, I'm going to have to raise some money. I don't have the cash to do that. But mm-hmm. I just on a fluke, I called a studio in uh, Redmond, Triad Studios. And uh, they said, I said, you know, I need to talk to an engineer, someone, just to ask how much funding I need to do something like this. And they said, oh, you need to talk to Larry Nefsker. You need to talk to him. So I, he called me, and I talked, and I told him what I had. And uh, he said, yeah. He said, you need to talk to Danny Deerdorf. And Danny Deerdorf had recorded and was in the Northwest. And I had heard some of his music on the radio. And uh, so I said, all right. So I called Danny, and we talked. And he said, I, I want to meet with you. I want to hear your, your, what you've got. And so I, I went into Seattle, and I met with him. And Danny was, um, had polio as a young man, and so he was in a wheelchair. And when I opened the door, he came in this electric wheelchair, and I said, oh. And he said, yeah. Uh, people kind of are surprised when they see me. And I said, well, your music is just not handicapped at all. And you don't, it's not in a wheelchair. And he said, no, it's not, is it? And I said, no. And so we, I sang some of the songs and stuff. And he said, yeah. He said, I'd love to produce your tape. And I said, okay, how much, et cetera. And so we looked at how much the engineers, studio time, all of that. He said, about $15,000. And I said, okay. And I, <laughs> I, I, I didn't have that kind of funding. And so yeah. I said, so I'll be in touch with you. And he, he said, okay. So that's when the conversations with Wayne started about abundance. Oh. And uh, so I would call him and uh, we'd talk like on a Wednesday evening. I'd catch him and, and we'd talk and I'd say, you know, I just, I don't know where that money's going to come from. And then he would... He would just talk, and he'd say, Bobby, I want you to do this for a week. I want you to go around, and all week long, I want you to just think. When you think, oh, I can't afford that. Oh, no, I can't buy that. I want you to think, I, I choose not to buy this. Of course I could buy it. I choose yeah. not to buy that right now. So we went through very basic things and then one day he said to me the money is all around you and I was like you know I believe you Wayne I really believe that you know that is so true and I can't find it around me I just can't find it and Mm -hmm. and he we had talked about his you know you have to think that it's already here. Mm -hmm. And so every morning and every night, the last thought I would have is, 
I would see Danny, the producer. I would see me at the bank with $15,000 putting the money in the bank, going over to the pay phone. You know, we didn't have <laughs> cell phones then, calling yeah. Danny and saying, I've got the funding, let's go. And he said, you know, just every time you think about it, just morning and night, first thing you think of, last thing you think of, that's yeah. what you want to think about. And I did that, and the money didn't appear. Poof. <laughs> and we kept talking, and I kept saying, you know, I'm getting closer. I could feel that. And the songs were just tumbling out. I even did a small little concert at a, somebody's house. And, mm -hmm. uh, and so there, were lot, there was lots of energy around it. And then one night, uh, Michael and I were sitting, and... and uh, I said, what if we each take a piece of paper and we put it down and we just get a pen and we start thinking of people who might want to invest in me and my music? And he mm -hmm. said, okay, I'm game. And I said, so let's just, and, and the rule is, if you think of them, you cannot start saying things like, oh, I don't know, blah, blah, blah. You've got, you think of the name, you write it down. He's like, okay, let's do it. So <laughs> we sat and we got very quiet. And in, in the next like 10 minutes, we had 20 names written down between the two of us. Mm -hmm. And some names, I'd think of them and I'd think, oh, I, you know, and then I'd say, uh-uh, you know the rule, write it down. Mm -hmm. So the next day I went to his office early and uh, there was one of the people we had written down was there and she had just had a treatment from him and I said, let me sneak into the room and talk to her and I went in and I said, you know, you know my music. It, actually, I'd had her, a concert at her house. I said, you love my songs and I said, blah, blah, blah. I'm trying to get the funding and, you know, here's the deal. I'd, if you want to invest in me, I will take anything from a hundred to a thousand or more, and you could invest in me. I will do a contract with you, and I will pay you back. And she said, "Stop." And she said, "I'm I'm going to go to the bank right now." And she went to the bank, and she came back like fifteen minutes later, and I had a, my first check for a thousand dollars, and I said. Woohoo! <laughs> and in the, the next few days, I, I just called people, and some people said no. Some people, you know, just said no, not at this time. I love your music. Yeah, I can't do that at this time. In three days, I had $15,000. Wow. No, there was no GoFundMe then, you know? Yeah. There, was no, there was nothing like that. It was and Go Call Me. It was go yeah. call me. So, <laughs> so I had the money, and I called Danny, and yeah, and then we started recording. And meanwhile, wow. Wayne had uh, flown me out to Detroit to the Unity of Detroit because he was going to be there speaking, and I sang mm -hmm. Icus with Jim Bajer. He was there. Wow. And, and so I got to sing that. And um, yeah, it was, it was, and that I was. I wish I was there. I know. I wish no, you were there, What a magical too. moment. Yeah. Oh, it was great. And, um, yeah, it was, it was like it's, 
it was like a dream and a reality all at the same time. And then um, I, I started recording. We recorded in like seven days. It was like so fun. I brought flowers and crystals. You know, I was just the weirdest recording artist that ever hit <laughs> Triad Studios. And, and Danny was amazing. And I had great pianists and, and flute players and drummers. And it, it was just a fabulous, fabulous time. I wish I could do it, you know, more often. It was just mm -hmm. so much fun. And so then I had to get cover art and pictures and all these things. And it was all on cassette. And then I had to order the mm -hmm. cassettes. And then Wayne bought 300 cassettes. And I gave him the wholesale price. And he sent them out all over the world to people. Wow. And then he said, make up a flyer. Just tell everybody, make up a blurb about how I love your music and, and just sign it, Wayne Dyer, and I'll just include it in everything I send out to people. And so wow. I, I sent him like 500 flyers with um, my name on it and a little thing about the music, and he sent it everywhere. I, I got orders from Scotland and New Zealand and Japan and you name it, all over the place. And uh, and that was the first tape. And then I, I sang in Portland with him, and then I sang in uh, Santa Cruz. That was in 1987. And, uh, but the, it was just, it was so delightful to, to connect and share my music. Mm -hmm. And he told me, he said, sing anywhere you can. Sing it on the library steps. Just sing. So I did. I just started singing. And the, the friendship continued, and he was just always super supportive. And then I called him one time, and he said, oh, I'm writing about you. And I said, what? And he said, yeah, <laughs> you're going to be in my next book. And I said, oh. Really? And uh, so I have all the letters that we wrote. I have like 10 letters from him for the different wow. times. Yeah. And um, yeah, it was, it was a super magical time. It was a super magical time. And so I, I was in his book. It was like bizarre. And, uh, <laughs> and then I watched him over the next years, you know, that spiritual part of him grew and grew and grew. And we yeah. would hit many of the same places. To, you know, he would be working on something I would. And then even my, my divorce from my second husband, we did it around the same time. He, he and Marcy separated. I separated and went off and did things too. And it, it was, it was mm -hmm. fascinating how our lives always seemed to parallel. What an exciting journey. I mean, yes. just all of that. And yes. I can see why Wayne was drawn to you. I can see why he sort of held, like, latched on and held on to yeah. you. Because you you have this, this energy that's so beautiful, first of mm, all. Thank you. But you bring this universal yes. Yes. Which is what he was trying to teach us he to do. Was. So, so he used you as this example of look what happens when you choose to say yes. And when I hear you telling this story, I see this pattern of courage. Mm. Courage. Mm. Could I? Could I write a song? <laughs> well, 
Let's see what happens. Yeah. Okay. Oh my gosh. I, I have this. I Okay. I'm going to sing it to my husband, but it's really scary because I don't know how other, like maybe it doesn't sound yeah. as good outside right. of my head. So you didn't want your husband to respond at first, right? But right. courage, you sang it to him. All right. What do you think? Right? Yeah. And I cannot even imagine the courage it must have taken for you to like call up Wayne and sing it <laughs> to him like... You know, basically acapella with a tape running in the background. Oh, oh call Marcy. Okay, I'll do it. I'll do it again. Right? Like, yeah. I would have just been, like, sweating. I don't, I mean, it's. <laughs> yeah. Not yeah. everybody would take that, would take that leap. And when he talks about it's not crowded on the extra mile. Yeah. Bobby, you're on the extra mile going, hey, guys. Yeah. It's fine over here, right? It's, it's really great. good. And you know what's really interesting is that um those moments where that that stepping out and doing something you've never done, you know, there's a fear underneath. But there's something magical that that lifts you up out of it if you allow it to happen. And you mm-hmm. don't and you don't Stomp it down with your mind. Yeah. Don't talk yourself out of it. That's right. Yes. Yeah. Because there's something bigger inside of all of us. And when we say yes to it. Yes. It, it, then things unfold. When he would say to me, the money's all around you, my mind would think, no, Wayne, the money's around <laughs> you. You're the one that has the money around you. You understand that. You feel it. I I would say that. I would say, you know, I, I can't find it. I can't find it around me because yeah. I was I was looking at it here in yeah. my hands. Mm-hmm. I wasn't looking at it inside. I wasn't looking at it at a place where it was already within me. And then it appeared physically. And when I work with people now, I tell them, look, what I learned from Wayne is I am it already. Now I'm it. I'm, I'm the singer that has the tape, that has the money. And I've done this over and over again in my life. And then I connect with it physically. It has mm. to be here first before yeah. I can magnetize to it in the physical. Mm-hmm. And and he was he was absolutely right. If you look at his story, you know, he bought up the second printing of that book, the erroneous zones, and they didn't want to print it. And he said, yeah. it's all right. And he'd go into town, you know, and he'd say, I'm going to be on a radio show. And he'd get on the radio show, and then he'd sell the books to the bookstores. I mean, <laughs> he was just amazing. So he was fearless. He was absolutely yeah. fearless. And, yeah. and, I, and I learned that f- to try, just to try. And as you do that more and more, the interesting thing is when I got ready to do my second album, I thought, okay, I've done this before, you know, and the thoughts, you know, those thoughts, it came and it was like, okay, Bobby Branch, you know, you did it once. Can you really do this again? Was it a fluke, you know? Now the pressure's on. (laughs) Yes. And so I was like, Oh, really? 
are you kidding me? <laughs> and so I had to just jump over that hurdle, but it wasn't as big a hurdle as the first time. And, uh, and then the lady that gave me the first $1,000, she said, don't even go looking for backers. I'm going to pay for the whole thing. You're the angel that sings. I'm the angel that funds you and just don't even wow. worry about it. Yeah. yeah. So every step of the way, the doors kept opening. Mm-hmm. And, and then, you know, life moved on and I sang a lot and, you know, it didn't go, it wasn't as easy then to get your music out. You had to go out and do it. And I had a young yeah. son and I really didn't want to be gone all the time. So it kind of died down. I still sang at churches and seminars and things, but I didn't push as much. And I thought, you know, I'll get a website. I'll put the music up on the website. I did this about six years ago because I didn't want it to just not be available. And then, of course, I met you. And you (laughs) said, you should be on Spotify. and You should be on (laughs) Apple. And I was like, I mean, my my mind technology-wise went, oh, my goodness, another one of those people that thinks outside the box. And... You know, in the last month, that's what I've done, which is amazing to me. And it was, it was more hurdles, but it's okay. It's okay. And, and I laugh, I talk, I talk to Wayne and I say, I really thought I was kind of done with this part, Wayne. (laughs) (laughs) And and I hear him chuckling. Yeah, sure, Bobby. Yeah. Yes. (laughs) Sure. You're done, honey. Well, I got to tell you, um, well, okay, first, for everyone who's listening, you heard it here first, Bobby Branch's music is available now on Spotify and Apple, which is fantastic. And I want to tell you that comes from Wayne. Like, I could hear it. When I was saying it to you, I was hearing it in his voice. Wow. The way that he'd be like, go sing on the steps. You want to sing? Go sing anywhere. Sing in front of the grocery store. Sing when you wake up in the morning. Sing on the telephone, right? Because that's how (laughs) he was. And he would find somebody, he'd be like, you got to write a book. You need a book. Oh, totally. Do this, right? And I heard him. I heard him. And it encouraged me. And I had talked to uh, Sarah Dion Brooks in season one. And she wrote some music inspired by Wayne Dyer. And her music is on Spotify. And I thought, how do you get music on Spotify? Because I'm not a musician, right? (laughs) Right. I was like, hmm. So I, you know, I do a couple Google searches. And I'm like, I think you could do this. I know. Wayne saying, tell her to get her music out there, right? Because (laughs) this is, this is, as far as I can see, one of the most current ways for people to find you, totally. for to keep circulating. And that's what he would totally. want more yes. than anything. So congratulations for taking that step and and, and continuing to keep your music available where where more of us are going to find you and listen to it. And yes. I, you, um, so you shared some of your music with me and we're going to play some at the end of this episode. So for anyone who's listening, uh, you know, stay tuned to the end. Now, 
Um, I think we're going to play Happiness is the Way. The thing is, I really love that Icus song too. So, I know. It's very so good. So if, if if we don't include that, definitely go go check that out on, on Spotify. Or, it's the longest song. It's Icus is about four minutes and 41 seconds or something. Happiness is the Way was the first song I ever wrote. And it was a yeah. little shorter. It was a little more doable. Mm-hmm. Actually, he took it and played it on a, a, he was at an interview in Seattle, and he took Happinesses away and played it one time when he was being interviewed. Oh, yeah, he was so like cool. that. He would just do that. You know, yeah. the first time I met him physically, we had been talking all summer, he came to do a barbecue he came to do a speech, but he had a barbecue at one of his dear friends, um, Lee Leach, Lee and Joe Leach. And he said, come to the barbecue. And so my son was about, I think he was three, Michael was three. And so I took my son and went to the barbecue and I walked in and, you know, he had all girls at that point. Sans had not been born. And uh, I heard his voice in the living room and I walked in and I had not seen him. We just talked on the phone and sung and all. I hadn't gone out to Detroit yet. And, uh, And I walked in the living room and I said, hi, Wayne, I'm Bobby Branch. He said, Bobby! And he came over and he hugged me and I said, and this is my this is my son Michael. And he said, Marcy, Marcy, come here right now. <laughs> and she came in and he, he said, Look, see this one? This is the kind we want. And I said, I said, Oh yay. And he said, No, no, you gotta you gotta look. See, do you see him? This is Michael. He's a boy. This is the kind we want next time. And then we we got together. I think uh Summer was there and Serena was there and Sky and we got together and we we held hands and sang Row 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 Your Boat and uh just had such a good time with the kids. And that was the first time I physically met him. And he was so much fun. He was so much fun. And then the next child was a boy. Wow. (laughs) You did something. I did something. What did you do, Bobby? (laughs) (laughs) Magic. Yeah. Yeah. So I had a lot of good memories of having fun with him. And he was a, yeah, he left. I was surprised when he left. I, I was surprised he left so soon. And it's not soon, I'm sure. It was right on time. And I'm glad you're doing this. I'm glad you're keeping things alive. Because he gave a breadth of work that is timeless. It's timeless. It's, it's for all the generations. So it's cool when we can keep it going. So I appreciate that you do that. <laughs> you're going to make me cry. <laughs> I know. Well, it's true. We all have our gift and our, our thing that we came to do. And, uh, and I do believe that times in your life you meet certain people. And it's been like that for me most of my life. Like I've met the Dalai Lama. I've had time with him. I've, wow. I've studied with Byron Katie. I, mm-hmm. I got to meet her. I've met Deepak Chopra. I mm-hmm. met, um, do you remember... Um, Bernie Siegel, 
He, he was a, a doctor that wrote one of the first books about holistic medicine. I sang at the mm -hmm. holistic medicine conference in Seattle, and I sent him my music, and he said, your music is so healing. So it, it just it flows out of us and what you're yeah. doing. I've been listening to your podcasts and, mm. you know, the last one on your NDA friend, NDE friend, mm -hmm. I was like, wow, you know, just you're very good at, at bringing people to talk about what their gifts are. And, mm. uh, yeah, so Wayne's very surprised and happy that you're doing his legacy, I'm sure. Thank you. He's over my shoulder. For sh I bet. Literally over yeah. My shoulder. Um, yeah. Well, I'm just so excited to be part of the conversation about spirituality. Honestly, like yes. this, this was my beginning. You'll see it when you believe it. Yeah. This book just set me on that path. And I, I had never heard anything like this before. And it seemed almost scandalous, right? Yeah. To believe that you don't have limits. Yeah. To believe that you can connect to something bigger yeah. and instead of saying, oh, it's too hard or I'm too young or I'm too old or I don't have enough money or whatever, instead you go, I'm going to connect to it. Yep. You know, and he set me on that path and it has shaped the the way that I've lived my life and it still does. And I, I find it very heartwarming that um, even though he's been gone for um, six and a half years now. I know. Um, I still feel his influence and I'm still yeah. learning from him. And I'm so thankful for all the work that he did to, to put all this on paper oh. and, and on audio. I mean, he created this multimedia library that generations oh. can use and he didn't invent these ideas, no. but he delivered them to us in a way that reached so many and and that's why i'm still so passionate about it that's why i'm still that's why i'm still talking about this i mean yeah i've got two little kids at home too right and yeah. i i i could be doing something very different but um this is part of my path and it's it's something that that i feel called to do so thank you for saying that you've enjoyed the episodes and i am excited about the opportunity to keep talking to people yeah. And I feel like if I keep saying yes, Wayne's going to keep sending me people. Discover a new relationship and approach to life through the space between. Join spiritual teacher Brittany Mondito for a moment of silence, a weekend workshop May 24th to 26th at Omega Institute's beautiful campus in Rhinebeck, New York. Everything we're searching for lies behind what we're running from, Brittany says. Reconnect with your inner sense of safety, grounding, and centeredness. Learn more today at eomega.org slash thrive. I think that's really true. I, I know it is. They just show up. They yes. show up. Like I, so I keep this. He used to talk about this, living the wisdom of the Tao. He said, keep it mm -hmm. in your glove compartment. Yeah. And then... Anytime you stop someplace, just open it up and look at the thing for the day. When he yeah. lived that, the Tao for that time he did it for a week at a time, that was amazing what he did. Mm -hmm. I know. 
And, and you know, real magic. I was looking at his books because I have all his books. And your sacred self. And I remember, and the spiritual solution to things. And going to Assisi. I've been to Assisi with my daughter. And I've been in the same place he was. And, and it's magical there. And the connection he had to St. Francis. And just all the things. And then, you know, um, the inspiration book. Oh my goodness, that was such I a love good that book. one too. Yep. Yeah. And then he wrote. I, I thought he was kind of done for a while, and I thought, what's he going to come up with next? And then he writes, "I can see clearly now, after the power of intention." And it's like, wow. I mean, wow. It just mm-hmm. was amazing. And when he wrote that, I was like, huh? Why is he writing all his memoir? He's not done yet. And the last time I saw him, he was in Portland, and that was in May before he passed. And I felt like he was coming, and he was only coming to Portland. And I said, you need to go see him. And I was like, yep, I do. And so I went, and he had Anina Morjani was with him. And I was, was like... 2015? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and he... Um, you could just see the light in him. The, there was a difference to his, his whole being. And, yeah, I'm so glad I went because it was the last time I saw him, which was, I remember waking up and thinking, he's gone? The morning mm-hmm. that I found out, I was very surprised. And we all have our feelings when people leave us. But I don't feel like he left. I feel like mm. he's... He grew. Yeah. He's, he's up that ladder to that place at the yeah. top, you know. And, uh, and he's looking down, and he's doing a lot of good work. A lot mm-hmm. of good work. And he's just not here talking anymore, which he was so good at. Yeah. He was... I know we miss that. We do. We do, but we have his podcasts. We have so oh, many yeah. things from him. Hey, house his PBS videos. I love those. Oh, I have a lot of those. Um, they had packages you could buy, you know. So I have his the whole, whole enchilada, the whole trip to Europe, and all that. So I can yeah. see him anytime I want to, which is yeah. cool. Which is cool. And then his I daughters. His daughters are mm-hmm. doing a lot too, which is great. Of course, of mm-hmm. course. So yeah, Sage and Serena published the the knowing last year oh lovely great book book. and had so many stories of the Wayne that I knew you know Mm -hmm. the Wayne that uh, just really was there for so many people he sent me things about there's a lady that sent me something about a play go talk to her and see if you can connect with your music and her play and we never did get connected but he just did Mm -hmm. that all the time yeah. It makes me wonder about everything he was doing behind the scenes, because we see him as this presumably quite busy guy, right? He's doing his Hay House radio show. He's touring around. He's giving keynote speeches. He's writing more books. He wrote over 40 books. You know, it just seems like he was working all the time. He's recording these things. He's having, you know, TV appearances and everything. And then the more I talk to people, the more I hear so many stories of, 
oh, Wayne used to send me letters or I'd get Christmas cards and he was sending books. And so I just imagine probably almost every day he would start out by sending people things. Yes. And, And it just makes me wonder, you know, like how did he juggle all of that? All of it. And I think... I know people would say he's always on his phone, you know, so he was always he was always thinking of ideas and talking to Reed Tracy and like, here's what we're going to do next. And then he would be like, like with you connecting people like, oh, well, you should do this over here and I'm going to connect you with this writer to help you get your book put out or whatever. Like he was really invested in other people's success. He he connected me to Chloe Robinson who is Chloe Patton now, and and, uh, and she lived in Seattle at the same time I did. And she knew mm-hmm. Lee Leach, and she had written a book. He loved her book, and so he promoted her book just the way he promoted yeah. my music. It was, he was just so giving. He was a networker. Yes, I'd love that. I've never put that word to Wayne, but you're absolutely right. He was a networker. He was a mover and shaker. And the way that he felt inspired, you know, he would envision things and then he would go for it. Yes. And he he had practiced coaching people on that from the time he was a professor. Yes. And he worked as a a counselor for the students. Yep. And so, you know, this went way back and he, like, he never – lost that he never lost his passion for lifting people up and inspiring them but like you said before you know you're thinking oh well sure you're surrounded by money Wayne but I don't see the money around me he must have gotten that sort of response all the time but then I think I think he was teaching this so often you know he was doing it himself you know that these were practices that he had been using and it makes me wonder you know, when he'd get up in the morning, what was his intention? Yeah. You know? Well, you know, in, in the later days of his life, he really did a lot of giving. Um, he There was a lady at the bank who he knew had a lot of bills and things in her life, and he always talked to her, and he'd always slip mm-hmm. her extra money. Every mm-hmm. time he went, he'd slip her a couple hundred bucks or 300 bucks. You know, that, that was just him. He just did yeah. that. He was he was just a giver because he he knew that the universe was an abundant place and it was abundant all the time. And we don't get to keep anything, right? Everything comes I was just reading this in the book. Everything comes comes into our life for a temporary yep. stay. And it and it moves on. Yep. And yeah. and he really did live that and, and do that all the time. I and mean, there so many people he would take time with and send things to. It, it was mm-hmm. really true. And, and, I mean, I sent him a little cassette. I never thought I'd hear from him. <laughs> and it was like, whoo! It's like opening this uh, wonderful river of love yeah. and connection. Yeah. Yeah. He saw that and he was like, this is gold. I need to talk to her. And then he never let me go. (laughs) Never let me go. It was just wonderful. It was really wonderful. So when you two talked on the phone, were you always talking about sort of what you're creating and processes for that? Or would you sort of chat about other things as well? Oh, yeah. We'd chat about, you know, all kinds of things. I'd tell him, you know, what I was. One, one, uh, I'll have to look. There's one letter, because I, I was very connected to a school in, um, 
in Duval, that Wilderness Awareness School. And uh, my son eventually went to high school there. And he said, let's, I told him that over the phone one time, you know, I really want to take kids into nature and I want to do things. And, and he said, let's get together and raise kids in the wilderness. Meanwhile, here's some ICUS books to hand out to people who you think might understand it. And so we talked about all kinds of things. And he, I love his book, What you, What Do You Really, Really Want for Your Children? And yeah. we talked a lot about how to raise children. And, and I ended up going to, to training and getting my Montessori certificate because I loved mm -hmm. Montessori so much. And so all of that we used to talk about. And, of course, he did, you know, he did books for kids. And he just viewed children as people which I also viewed children are people. They're not little, you know, pat them on the head. They're, mm -hmm. I used to look at my son sometimes and my daughter, and they'd look at me and I'd think, I think you know more than I think you know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm certain of it. And, yeah. and they'd look at me and nod like, yes, Mom, yes, <laughs> I do. And so... All of that was in our conversations also, and mm -hmm. how delightful it is to have children in your life, to have all possibilities in your life. And that was fun. It was just fun to have conversations with him. And he'd tell me yeah. about the things he was writing or the places he'd been. And, and, but the, I, kept, I kept trying to figure out how do you get to think like you, Wayne? You know, I would yeah. ask those questions. How did you get to think this way? You know, I want to think more like that. I, I yearn to think that way. So give me things that will help me do that. And, and he did. He used to say, I want to learn to think like God thinks. But I, I find yes. myself probably a lot of times, I want to learn to think like Wayne thinks. And that's going to get <laughs> yes. me a little closer, you know? Yeah, yeah, it's really true. And, and that there's no limits to what he thought was possible. And, and the thing that um, I think as his life progressed was the forgiveness pieces. And, and then he and Byron Katie got together. After I went to the school of Byron Katie, he and Katie did a, a weekend together. And he just thought she was amazing that she'd ask questions and see if things were true. And so the two of them together were dynamic. But um, mm -hmm. it's interesting when your teachers get together with each other. And yeah. they, they had connection, I had connection to each of them, and then they got together, and that was, that was really cool. So I feel like he just kept opening to more and more and more. And then the lady from Rwanda. Um, mm -hmm. Immaculate. Immaculate, yes. Um, I ended up in Rwanda later. I have a friend wow. that, that lives oh there. Gosh. Her daughter moved there and I went and did their wedding. She married a Rwandan. And so mm. I've been to Rwanda. I've been through the whole thing. Oh. And yeah, I, how are connections of the places I've been and the places he was really helpful in, in telling mm -hmm. people about never ceases to like, of course, of course. Of I never course. thought I'd go to Africa mm -hmm. and sit with gorillas. Oh my goodness. Mm -hmm. I've sat 
you know, with silverbacks and, you know, like five feet from me, not, no zoo. And, and never thought I would do that. So you never know what you're going to do in life. And so now my feeling is I'm just open to whatever happens. You know, because yeah. all, all kinds of magical things happen all the time. When I went to fly to Rwanda the first time, I'd never flown to Africa. I had my passport and my shots and all of these things. And when I got to the... Wayne talks about one time where he was going to fly someplace from Florida to, to someplace north, and there was some kind of hurricane, and they canceled his flight. And so he went, and he, he loves to tell this story. It's on one of his tapes, I think. And uh, he said, I, I went to the lady at the counter, and I said, I have to get to this city, and I have a lot of books I have to take with me. And the lady said, Dr. Dyer, we, we cannot do this for you. We, we can, there, is n there are no flights going out. And he said, yeah. Okay, just walk through those doors over there and go up the stairs out through the duck pond and find me an eagle and then have them come back and then we'll talk because he, he, she said there's no way. So she went through the doors and she came back with her supervisor and he said, so here's where I got to get. And she, he said, she looked at me and she said, okay. Dr. Dyer, we can do that. We have a flight, blah, blah, blah. And of course, we'll take your books. We can put them in first class, and we're going to get you there. And he said, see, you have to ask for an eagle. You cannot talk to the people that are in the duck pond, because the duck pond is there. you got to go for the <laughs> eagle. So I'm at the counter, and, and I give them my, my um, passport and everything, and they say, oh, Yes, Mrs. Miss Branch, we're going to take you down here. I said, is there something wrong with my, my ticket? They said, no, no. And, and they came down here, and they said, this was on uh, Emirates Airline. It's the first time I'd flown. They said, we're going to upgrade you to, to uh, business class. And, uh, just, and it was my birthday, like in four days or something. And I said... Of course you are. Thank you so much. This is my first flight to to Africa, and I was going to Dubai, and then from Dubai to Rwanda. And I got to be in first class and have champagne and the whole thing. And Beautiful. I thought, you know, thank you, Wayne. <laughs> so you, you just never know. You never know. Mm -hmm. So I expect good things to come and sometimes they just don't arrive on the timeline I have. <laughs> That's <laughs> they, a good way of putting it. It's they, just not here yet. It's not here yet. And so that's yeah. okay. You know, mm -hmm. I tell my clients a lot, you need to remember, oh, I forgot. Things always work out for me. And they go, Okay, and, and, and then, you know, another f one that I love to tell them is, you know, you really can't do this wrong. Mm, I love that. I like to tell people that, that you, you can't not be spiritual. 
because yes. you are a spiritual being having a human experience. And I feel like people label, oh, this is human or this is ego and this is spirit. But really, you are a spiritual being, so you can't do it wrong. Like right. you are already spiritual. You don't need to have a certain meditation practice or no. guru or whatever to become spiritual. You already are spiritual, but having an awareness Right. That's what spirituality is and understanding that there's more than just what we see yes. or hear or can pick up with our five senses. I'm certain we have more than five, but we'll, we'll leave it at five. We're, yes. we're, when you can see that we're more than that, I think it enriches yeah. our life. But we're here to be human, you know, so like. Oh, absolutely. Uh, embrace it. Absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Even the ones where you stub your toe, you know, I laugh now. You know, I get I get upset about things, and then I go, "Oh, that was good, Bobby. That was really good. That felt good, didn't it? Okay. And and now, what are we gonna do? You know, let's move forward this way, or let's just sit. Maybe you just need to sit for a minute, honey. Yeah. <laughs> and so then I sit because I don't have all the answers. The cool thing is, I know the answers will come. Mm-hmm. They always seem to show up. You can't solve a problem with the same mind that created it. Oh, and yeah. And so I, I love what you were saying in, in your story about how all of this music came to be in your life was that, you know, you, you weren't finding the answers and then you sort of sit down and you get quiet and you sort of let go and you surrender. And then, oh, you know, something that you wouldn't have wrestled your way into you know, comes into your space, you go, aha, there's another way. I have been in a place where I had no answers and I really thought I needed some because I was grappling with something. And, I'd be, hmm. <laughs> and I'd be walking out, you know, the beautiful Northwest on some path with all, and I would just stop and I would think, all right, look, if anybody isn't busy around me, could you just help me out with this and give me an idea? And then I'd, I'd just walk forward, and darn if an idea wouldn't pop into my head, and I'd think, that is a great thing to do. And yeah. it, it happens all the time. It, I just have to get out of my own way and allow it to come. And... Wayne was my first teacher at that. He he just really said, Bobby, Bobby, it's there. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, I want to believe you, Wayne. And so I had to really see it and believe it. Yeah. You know, it, I didn't get that worked. from anybody but Wayne. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't get that from anybody. I got a lot of great things from a lot of people. Me too. But that message that more is possible came to me from him and I'm going to carry that through the rest of my life. Well, and I remember when he told me the name of the book, he said, oh yeah, I'm writing a new book and you're in it and it's, you'll see it when you believe it. And I was like, of course, of course, because of course the other idea was taught to me. Was backwards. Yeah, yes. the other, the one that we were taught was backwards. And do you know he fought with his publishers about this book? Did you oh, know that? I didn't that? know that. No. Yes. So, so they, uh, Artie Pine, his um, 
literary agent right. said, oh, wait, okay, he'd already had three or four books out, said, oh, I've got a deal all lined up for you. You're going to write a book about sex. You're going to write a book about <laughs> money. And then you're going to write a book about, I don't know. So it was all like ego based, right? And he's right. like, this is perfect. It's, it's a lot of money. They're going to pay you millions of dollars. Just, you know, it's all ready. And Wayne goes, no, actually... <laughs> I had another idea. And then he brings the title. You'll see it when you believe it. And they're like, what is what does that even mean? What is that? They were not happy with the title. The publisher was not happy with the title. And also, like, you know, he dealt with a lot of pushback. They wanted it to sound more academic. And yes. he wanted it to sound conversational. He wanted it to be. Yes. So he held this vision and he fought for it. So, and can you imagine if in, you know, what, what year was this published? 1989? I think yes, so. Yes, 1989. Yeah. If he had, instead of writing, you'll see it when you believe it, his first spiritual book with Bobby Branch in it. Um, <laughs> if he had written a book about, you know, the joy of sex and how to make more money and all of that, he would have been just a completely different person. He would have had a different totally. career. That music that was in him wouldn't have found its way out because it was still evolving. Yeah. Still evolving. But he he had the courage to fight them and be like, no, this is this is what I this is what I want to do. What next. did he call it when he was at Oh, he used to call it something when he was, uh, oh, kids. He would say, you not a squeaky wheel, but something like that. And he, he said, I was like that my whole life. I was always... Scurvy elephant. Scurvy elephant. That's it. <laughs> yes, the scurvy elephant. I didn't thought about that. But he was. He was the scurvy elephant that thought of different ways to do things. You can't just do it that way. You got to do it. No, there's a whole bunch of things we can do. And that that's from, I do believe, his childhood and how he just figured it out, how to survive. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, our, he said, God used to say, I put you in that little orphanage so that you get your little ass kicked and then you'd learn how to do things independently. Mm -hmm. And it, it's yeah, really yeah. true. He said, I imagine myself before I was born, I had this conversation with God. God says, what do you want to do? Wayne says, I want to teach self-reliance, right? Yeah. Got that from Emerson. Yeah. I want to teach self-reliance. And God says, well, okay, you better get your little ass into an orphanage, right? He saw it as, yep. you know, what, what did I gain from this? How did this shape me? How can I use this in my life instead of woe is me, I had these hardships when, right. when I was a kid, which which so many people do. So he was so big on no excuses. That's no right. No excuses. And I imagine him in his counseling practice in those early oh. years. And people probably come in and go, oh, Wayne, you just don't know. I can't do this because and woe is me. And it's just so hard. And he would be like, okay, we're going to practice turning this around of not being a <laughs> yeah. victim. And, yeah. and even though he got into the spiritual stuff and got a little woo-woo and whatever, right, he still carried that sort of redemption. Yeah. But I am planning to do a whole episode about the necessity of being a scurvy elephant. Oh, I love it. I love it. Because there are so many out there.
you have to be willing to disappoint people. You have to be willing to go your own way in order to be self-guided, self-reliant, listen to the beat, you know, of your own drum and do things your way. You have to be um, sort of bold and rebellious in mm-hmm. order to live a life that is of your calling, to live, to play the music that's in you. You need to sort of not conform that's right. That's right. And I think it needs to be talked about. So I'm planning to do it. That's Yay. Be that'll be a fun one. Oh, my god. Yeah. Goodness. So I, I started a Patreon page this year um, with season two. And, and I have three tiers that you can sign up for. And the first one is the Scurvy Elephant Fan Club. Oh, I love it. <laughs> and the second one is you get access to all the full videos of, of the interviews that I'm doing like this, and that's watch the full videos. But if you sign up for the third one, that is the whole enchilada. <laughs> and and you get you get that and more. We're going to do Zoom calls. I've got oh. a mug with my painting of um, – this is my painting of Wayne Dyer from – uh, the fifth anniversary of his death, I painted that, oh. and it, I keep it here with me. So, um, wow. so yeah, I turned that into a mug. So I got a bunch of stuff. But I was definitely, I was definitely thinking about Wayne when I was putting those together. Oh, I love it. The whole enchilada. I, that he would love that. Yeah, come join us. It's going to be so much fun. I've had so many people asking me about Zoom calls, and we're going to be doing it. Oh, um, fun! There, so we can we can chat. Talk I can more see your about faces, things. right? Because I yes. do, I do Facebook lives sometimes, but I don't get to see people's faces, right? It's just the comments, so it's gonna be fun. Yeah. Yay! All right. So I want, cause because you knew Wayne so well, and I can feel his energy with you, and I feel your yeah. your energy is just beautiful. I'm just gonna say it again. Mm. Wayne was right, mm. right? He said you are a spectacularly alive, higher consciousness person, who's a true joy to be around. I second that very much. Mm. But Thanks. I wanted to ask you. If Wayne were here today, what advice do you think he would give us? Oh, (laughs) yeah. You know, he would say, you need to remember that love is the glue and the thing to move from. I remember him talking about, with all that's going on in the world, Love is the only way to be for something, not against something. I, I, I think it was the, either it was when the the people were kidnapped, um, the Americans, and were in Iran when Carter was president, or one of those times, or there was a bombing in Iran, or one of those places, and a lot of Americans at the embassy were hurt. He said at the very same time that that was going on, there were a million people doing a peace march at Lourdes in France. And he said all the press was about that. It wasn't about the million people for peace. Mm -hmm. And so I think what he would say is be a light where you are, and and I tell my clients this all the time, be the light in your circle. And I tell them, look, if you're not a light in their, your circle, I'm never going to get to all those people. And so <laughs> I get to you and I ask them to commit to themselves and becoming their light and then giving the light 
to others in their circle. And I think that's, you know, when he said love, period, in the last mm -hmm. days of his life, he didn't just m mean that as a, as a thing. It's just love, period. That's the only thing that's going to change everything. And, you know, Thich Nhat Hanh's one of my favorite people, and we just lost him. He, mm -hmm. We didn't lose him. We lost his body. He says yeah. we, we are his continuation. And he always said, you know, you're all of it. You're the, you're the soldier in Ukraine, and you're the soldier in Russia, and you're all of it. And so just, we're, we're all one. We're all connected. It's, there's no like borders and separations. It's all up here in the mind. And so just be the love that you can be wherever you are. And when you forget that, then remind yourself. I forget it. And then I say, oh, Bobby, <laughs> you forgot it again, honey. Remember, <laughs> love is it. Yes, yeah. love is all there is. And Beautiful. it's it's hard to see from your mind sometimes because it's the heart. Yeah, move from your head into your heart. Down to your changes, heart. Changes everything. Yeah, so I think that's what he'd say. Mm -hmm. What's the best way for people to reach you? They can go to my website and look at bobbybranch.com. It will tell them what I do. And then for email, go to bobbybranch.com. B-O-B-B-E branch at AOL.com and they'll get a response from me. So Okay. Yeah. Wonderful. And your music is now on Spotify and Apple. Thanks it to a little nudge from Wayne and me as and the messenger. You. <laughs> Wonderful. Bless I'm so you. excited to check that out. Um, and uh, so we're going to play um, your first song, Happiness is the Way, right after this episode so don't hang up okay um but go check out Icus because that song just it just moves me to tears there's something about the way that you captured the heart of his relationship to Icus and what she meant and I think that's something a lot of people are not aware of what a what a big book that was for him, what a relationship that was for him, what that story meant to him. So uh, I guess that's a beautiful song. So check that out. But we will play Happiness is the Way after this episode. Yay. Thank you so much. And thank idea. you so much for spending this time with me oh, today. It was a delight. And we both live in the Seattle area. So we need to keep in touch. Because, we do. Um, and I and I look forward to that. I really do. Yes, and I want to see you you do music live next time you get an opportunity to do that. That would be really yeah. fantastic. Yeah. Yeah, Good. I would like to do that again. You know, COVID has kind of stopped that, but we're going to do it again. Mm -hmm. yeah. Where there's a will, there's a way. Things are changing. Things are opening up, hopefully, and, and we'll, yep. we'll see what comes. We're, we're open to anything, right? Yeah. yeah. Well, thank you for sharing your stories of Wayne and your memories and your incredible journey of courage to get your music out and have all these adventures in your life. And um, yeah, people are really going to get a lot from all of this. And it brings us closer to Wayne. 
Mm. You know, your memories, it's like we get a peek through your eyes and your heart of what it felt like to be friends with Wayne. All it those feels years. really good to, to tell those stories. Yeah. Well, this is the right place to do it because we got all the fans right here. Yeah, the entire so wisdom good. community. Yeah, so good. Oh, oh, these are my people. I love it. Yeah. So thank you again. And for all our listeners, thank you for following Change Your Thoughts, Change Your Life and telling your friends about it. The full video for this episode will be available for um, my subscribers on Patreon. You can get that link and more details about this podcast at NadiaDelaCruz.com. Stay tuned after the episode for Happiness is the Way. Until next time, take care of yourself and take care of each other. Namaste. Since 1977, Omega Institute in New York's beautiful Hudson Valley has hosted some of the best spiritual teachers and social visionaries, sharing their messages of hope, healing, and transformation. 
On the Dropping In Podcast, hosted by Emmy Award-winning producer Callie Alpert, you will enjoy in-depth interviews and conversations with people like Pema Chodron, Jack Kornfield, John Kabat-Zinn, and many others on the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Also, check out the video series on Spotify.